Hello and welcome to Automators, the automation podcast where we try and make all of the magic happen through our computers so they can extend ourselves. My name is Rosemary Orchard and I'm joined as always by David Sparks. Hey David, how are you today? I'm great, Rose, and uh, we've got one of my favorite topics, automation topics today, so I'm oh, very yeah. excited about today's show. Yeah, me too. It's uh, really been fun having that extra focus because this is an application that's just always there just doing stuff for me, and now I really, really get the the benefit of, you know, being able to dive in because I've had a couple of weeks to really focus on this. Yeah, and of course, we're talking about Keyboard Maestro. It recently got updated to version 10. And it added a bunch of really nice new features. Uh, and so we yes. wanted to give Keyboard Maestro a show. We've talked about it a lot on the show. I feel like with every guest show, there's almost a Keyboard Maestro segment for anybody mm-hmm. that is Mac-based. But it really is an amazing, amazing you know, tool for doing automation on your Mac. And I thought maybe even before we get into the new features, a common question I keep getting from people is with the emergence of shortcuts for Mac and and it is getting better and more stable. Uh, is there still a need for Keyboard Maestro? That's that's a question people ask me a lot. What do you think about that, Rose? I mean, I think it's a great question for people to ask because, you know, it is another tool. But I personally feel like if you really want to automate stuff, you're going to want to have every tool available to you. If it, Like if you're trying to make a chair and you're a carpenter, you're not just going to have... Um, one hammer. You're probably also going to have, you know, a pin hammer and, you know, maybe a mallet and so on, as well as a regular hammer. And it's one of these things where having all the tools really makes life much easier. And Keyboard Maestro is so powerful. Um, And it takes a lot of those things that we just can't do in shortcuts and makes them much more easily accessible. And of course, it syncs between your Macs um, and you can choose how you sync it, which means that I can sync it to my work machine as well. And have the things there, even though I don't actually um, sync uh, shortcuts to my work machine. Um, so um, it's quite useful being able to do that. Yeah. And, you know, shortcuts has done a lot. You know, they allow scripting and uh, Apple script and a lot of very powerful automation to be embedded in a shortcut. But there's a lot it's still not very good at. You know, like mm-hmm. one very basic feature is just select an item from the menu. You know, I mean, that is something that people want to do in automation. In Apple Mail, for a long time, that was one of the ways I was filing messages because you can go through the menu system to move a message to, uh, you know, a, a mailbox that's deep in your mail system. Um, and I was using the menu command for that. It's just something you can't do in shortcuts. And Keyboard Maestro has that. They have the some of the basic stuff like that, but they also have... Some of the deeper stuff, like, you know, look at the screen and find a certain image and click on it. Yeah. Yeah. And I have to say, you know, the fact that we have things like that available to us. I mean, Automator does have Watch Me Do, but I find Keyboard Maestro is much better at breaking things down when you're trying to do something where you're not quite sure how to program it because you can add those extra little pauses in very easily and so on and so forth. And Instead of saying, you know, click over here on this page, you click at the specific image and things like that, which means that even if you don't necessarily know what you're doing, you've still got a lot of options to make sure everything works. Yeah. Another piece of this is just kind of the status of the software. Keyboard Maestro is remarkably stable and uh, shortcuts is early in its life. So where shortcuts right now is at the point where they're still shaping it on the bandsaw, to use the carpenter analogy. 
Um, mm-hmm. Keyboard Maestro is at the 300 grit sandpaper level. You know, I mean, they're they're doing fine adjustments and making little changes to make things easier. And you know, they're they're able to deal with details that the shortcuts team. It's probably on their whiteboard somewhere, but it's not near you know the top of their list right now. So you've got a very nice, stable experience with Keyboard Maestro and um, a different set of tools. In fact, really, when people ask me this question, I kind of flip it on its head. I'm, I want to ask them, wouldn't it be nice if we had Keyboard Maestro on our iPhones and iPads in addition to yeah. shortcuts? Because you know there are features that just don't you know, automation things you just can't do on mobile that you can do on a Mac uh, very easily. Yes. Though I have to say, one of the things that I have found to be really great with Shortcuts and Keyboard Maestro is the ability to call a Keyboard Maestro macro from a shortcut. Yeah. Um, Because Keyboard Maestro has um, one of the trigger options that you can add to a macro is um, a public web URL, which means that even if you're not at home, you can have it call that URL. And if your Mac at home is running, then it will just do the thing, um, which is that that's really great. And I, I really like the fact that we do have so many ways to do things. Um, and Keyboard Maestro can do some things that other tools can do, like Hazel. It could watch a folder, same sort of way. Yeah. Um, but I love the fact that I have the option to have all the tools and also to just really use whatever is most powerful. And so I've been... Doing a lot of playing recently, David, a lot of playing. And it's been very nice to just take a moment and look back at the 253 macros I currently have in Keyboard Maestro and go, I don't feel like I've even got started yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, and the they're already able to talk to each other. You talked about public URLs. So the way you do that is yeah. you just call it in a shortcut and then it triggers a Keyboard Maestro script. So, like, not only can you trigger it with your stream deck or some keyboard shortcut, or you can trigger it with a keyboard and attach and a keyboard and a MIDI note. You can also trigger it with your phone or iPad or Apple Watch, and that is mm-hmm. kind of awesome. But people are already going the other direction now, too, where they're allowing Keyboard Maestro to trigger shortcuts. Mm, yeah, yeah. Because, of course... Uh you you can do that now. Um, this this is something that uh, people have been playing with a little bit because if you look for actions in Keyboard Maestro for shortcuts, you actually don't find one. Yeah. But there is a really great uh, action called script or execute a script. As specifically execute a shell script because then you can type run shortcuts space quotation mark the name of your shortcut quotation mark. That's it. That's the entirety of the script. It's incredibly easy to do, which makes it really, really great that you can just run a shortcut from anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. I I just really think that, um, and this is only the beginning, honestly. Mm. I think we're going to have a real rich environment when this is done. There are some things in Keyboard Maestro that it's not good at, that shortcuts is better at. Um Two examples that come to my mind are calendars and contacts. I feel like they're difficult to script in Keyboard Maestro. I, I mean, you can do it. You can write an Apple script to, to do anything with contacts, but I don't want to have to break out the Apple script, you know. I don't have to break glass and break out Apple script just to change a contact detail where with shortcuts, they make that very easy. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, these are not... Um, 
neither one replaces the other. They both have things they're good at and bad at. And uh, I think uh, if you want to get into automation, you honestly need to embrace the both. Yes, yes. And that is, you know, where, you know, we get to really enjoy all of this because we get to, you know, do all of these things and it's extra fun to be able to do that. And I know that um, I've been having quite a bit of fun recently, David, because of um, Dave Hamilton. So Kelly Guimont brought up his uh, great podcasting script. Um, And um, then he also brought it up and I figured out a couple of tiny tweaks to it that make it work perfectly for me. And um, I've been really enjoying the fact that I now have this. So whenever I add a, a note to the show doc, um, it's got the exact timestamp in of when we start because, you know, it makes it easier for our editor, Jim, who does a wonderful job of making us sound uh, amazingly smart. And uh, it's nice to be able to use the automation powers for good here. Yeah. So you want to start digging in on some of the version 10 features? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a great place to get started because Keyboard Maestro has been around for long enough that we, it already has version 10. And yeah. it only does a new major release about every two years. Um, and so, you know, the fact that we've just had one um, is, is pretty nice. Um, but I have been having a lot of fun with the subroutines, David. And I yeah. know that's a pretty nerdy thing to get started with. So I don't know if there's anything else that you want to call out before we get to the subroutines. No, I, I think subroutines are the banner feature. I mean, there's a whole bunch. There's triggers and actions, a lot of stuff that they got added. And we're going to talk about that. But Let's just start with the big one, subroutines. Yeah, yeah. So subroutines are uh, a macro that is run inside of a keyboard maestro macro. Um, And um, you might be thinking, well, can you do that before? And yes, yes, you could. It's not something that is entirely new with version 10, but version 10 explicitly adds the ability to have um, a macro that is just a subroutine. Um, And then it gets included and you can pass data directly to it instead of setting it as a variable and then grabbing it as a variable in the other Um, script or passing things through with your clipboard and things like that, which makes it really, really powerful. And I am impressed with this, like really impressed with this because it's amazing how many of my macros I could convert very, very quickly and improve. Yeah. And the advantage of the subroutines is if you've got something that you do in five different macros, you can have a subroutine that Mm -hmm. it calls. And that way, if you ever need to change any bit of that, you don't have to change it five times. You just change it once and the subroutine calls that. And then it just makes everything simpler. It's it's much more of a a programming concept. But, you know, if you're doing Keyboard Maestro, you are programming. So that's okay. You you should embrace Mm -hmm. that. How, where are you using the subroutines? Well, I'm using them in all sorts of places. Um, And one example, which I think people will be quite interested in is... uh, some of the automators actions that I have. Um, so I have um, a, a folder in Keyboard Maestro for all of my automators macros. And I have a folder in Dropbox, which is where all of the audio for the show gets saved automatically. I've got Audio Hijack set up when I'm using my automators um, session in, in Audio Hijack, then it saves it into this folder. Um, and Keyboard Maestro watches that folder and it waits and then it pops up and says, hey, so what's the episode number for this? Um, and then if it's if it's our regular show audio, then it, it just moves it in into the folder um, with the right name and everything that it's got. 
Um, and but if it's an ad, then it also asks me what ad is this for, so that you can make sure that you know the right the right name is in there. Um, and then it renames the files and moves them. But I specifically wanted to be prompted for this, so that I actually get asked, you know, so what ad is this? And there's also the option uh, to delete because, of course, every so often when I'm recording uh, something, then I will have a full start and I'll start it and then stop and we kill off the audio and start again. Yeah. Um, and it's really great to have some of the things for that because I have um, a mini macro, which actually when I use my bunch um, to set things up at the start of recording, um, it asks me what episode number we're going to record. But that information is then reused inside of these subroutines. Um, or it's, it is a subroutine, but it means that it can pop it up again and ask me for it. But because I'm saving that into a, a variable, um, then it it already knows it. So it's just a case of allowing me to modify it. And so the fact that I have uh, the ability to just tweak something in in one place, like I've got all of the folders and everything in there as subroutines, that really, really helps. Yeah. And if there's things you do repeatedly, you find yourself building the same bit of of script or macro. What do they call it? Macros or scripting keyboard maestro? Always- macros. It's keyboard maestro macros, KMM. Yeah, I always forget that. Um, anyway, so as you're building your macros, if you find yourself doing repeated bits, it could be anything like what Rose was just explaining with file management, or maybe it's just you know sizing a window or whatever. You can save them as a subroutine. It calls them, mm-hmm. and and like Rose said, the the nice bit about this is historically, in order to do this, you had to pass a variable, which added a bunch of extra work and really made it um, impractical to do. Um, now they've solved that problem, and uh, subroutines are kind of awesome. Yeah, they are because you can you can explicitly say what information your subroutine wants or needs to run. Um, and so I was just having a look at one, and of course I managed to click away from it. Um, but there we go. It says executed as a subroutine with parameters. Okay. Um, so that is one of the triggers that you can have. So when you you set up a keyboard maestro macro to start with, you need a trigger. What tells it to run? There's all sorts of things. Um, and I, we're going to have to get to sleep and wake later, David, because I've been using those a lot recently. Yeah. Um, but um, there is a subroutine trigger option. And then you can have specific parameters that it will want or need. And you can say whether or not this returns a value. And then once you've done that, then you can also see all of your macros that are calling it. And that is so great. I really like that. But I can explicitly say that, um, you know, I need um, ask um, as part of this and the file needs to come into this um, so that uh, it knows what to do. And then I have another subroutine that actually moves the files to the right folder for automators. So there's only one macro which specifies where all the files are going, Um, which means if I ever change that folder, it'll be really easy to do. Yeah. yeah. Subroutines, I, uh, I'm i really happy to have them. I'm not using them a lot, but I am mm-hmm. using them. And it's like, this is a skill. Once you have it, you'll find additional uses for it going forward. Yes. Um, yeah. Maybe we should just talk for a minute about all of the, the new triggers because they've got some really good ones. And uh, one of the new triggers that I really appreciate is the unlock trigger. So, oh yeah, you know, you've got your Mac and it's shut down or locked up, and you sit down and you unlock your Mac. Well, now that is a keyboard maestro trigger. Yeah. And uh, just think about that, right? As soon as you unlock your Mac, then a trigger can be, you know, then a uh, macro can be triggered. 
Like there's lots of great ways to use that. Like you could have mm. it put on the screen, the name of your next appointment, or um, you could have it, you know, set up windows for you. There, there's just, you know, when you sit down to work, isn't it great to have your computer automatically start the work for you? Yes. Yes, it really is. Um, and um, I have to say, like I, I've been using the wake trigger quite a bit, um, but um, the unlock trigger is also even better in some ways because, um, you know, when your computer wakes up, it's still locked and there are certain things that it may or may not be able to do. Um, but the unlock trigger trigger does allow you to to go through and, and figure some other things out. Um, and so I have mine check what time of day it is when it unlocks and it executes different actions um, on uh, my machine, depending on what time of day it is. Um, because, for example, I, in my day job, I have uh, stand up in the morning every day where all of us, uh, my entire team, you know, spends 15 minutes talking to each other, saying what we've been up to, what we're going to be doing and, you know, hi and how, how are you? Um, and it doesn't take very long. It's only 15 minutes. But usually what happens is I do just run to the bathroom before that. And so my computer locks, of course, because, you know, security, it has to lock up pretty quickly. Um, and I'm not going to go around leaving that sort of thing unlocked. And so when I come back, it checks if it's after 9.40 and before um, 10.15 in the morning, then it makes sure that it pops up Teams as the first application. Yeah. Um, for me, which means that then, um, you know, I'm I'm ready to hop into stand up as soon as I, I come back. Um, and that is really useful. Um, and I have to say it's really great because now on my personal machine, I am working on a, a similar macro that I am doing for podcasting, where it's good to check which podcasting calendar um, or which podcast uh, I'm recording next, if I'm recording a podcast. Um, and it's um, going to help me set some things up there, which is even better. Yeah, I, I think there's a lot to that. Um, so I'm assuming you're using the if command and just a time check to pull. I'm actually using the switch command. So for people not so familiar with programming, a switch command is kind of like an if, except that you have multiple potential cases. Um, and so you, you instead of saying, you know, if this thing is this, do this. If this thing is this, do this. If this thing is this, do this. Else do that thing. It it is that it's just it's a switch case, so you have the multiple cases sure. directly, uh, which is really nice. I love the fact that Keyboard Maestro has this. I wish that Shortcuts had this, um, but um, there is a, a great switch case, and you can say you know if uh, your text contains this or uh, a calculation um, contains that, and the the calculations are pretty powerful in Keyboard Maestro too. Um, and so it's, it's really nice to do that. So normally I use the switch command if I've got multiple options. Mm -hmm. Yes. That's what I'm doing with this so, as so well. So what, what are the other then, options? What else are you doing? What other time well, checks? Well, so between, uh, 9.40 and 10.15 in the morning, it, uh, does, um, my, the, the thing for standup. And this is executing a subroutine again, um, where it minimizes all of my windows and then, uh, opens teams and runs, um, a Moom setup for me. Um, and this gets reused if in my calendar there's a monthly meeting um, and um, because we have monthly meetings at work. Um, and then I also have um, some a couple of other ones for different kinds of work that I do at different times of the day where it'll go, oh, hey, like, you know, you're you're unlocking your computer for the first time today. Um, and so I, I am storing that at the moment. I'm doing um, a timestamp of um, every time my computer unlocks, it just gets saved into a variable. Um, so that I can check whether or not it was today. Um, 
But if it was today, if it's the first time for today, then it opens up a couple of different tabs for me of things that I need to do first thing in the morning and so on and so forth, which is really nice. Um, and I haven't really enhanced that one that much yet. I've just got those three different options um, because most of the time if I go away for lunch and come back, I want everything exactly as it was before I went uh, away for lunch rather than anything else. But uh, I, I need to play with this more on my personal machine. This episode of Automators is brought to you by Electric. When leading your small business, it's not all glamour. In fact, sometimes spending hours trying to find a laptop lost in the mail for a new hire or dealing with some other technical emergency is what happens. The team over at Electric know small businesses, maybe like yours, face these challenges. That's why they've solved this problem for you by operating as your IT department. Instead of spending your time sorting through unused application licenses, setting up employee laptops, and answering never-ending IT questions for your team, you can build that empire. With Electric acting as your IT department, you can get back to what you're good at. Plus, you get a really cool IT platform to see and manage everything. A service like Electric is great for small businesses because, quite frankly, most people don't want to be wasting their time dealing with what is, frankly, mostly administrative work from their perspective when they've got all of these other things to deal about. And if you're going to get it right, it can be quite a bit of a time sink. I would have loved to outsource pretty much my entire job at my last place to Electric because there were so many things I ended up doing instead of my actual job. And it would have been really great to have some help. For Automators listeners, Electric are offering a free pair of Beats Solo 3 headphones for taking a qualified meeting. Just go to electric.ai automators to set it up. That's electric.ai automators to get your free pair of Beats Solo 3 headphones today for scheduling a meeting. Our thanks to Electric for their support of this show. Okay, before the break, you were talking about um, the the unlock trigger, but you also said you're using sleep wake a lot. Where, where are you doing that? Well, let, I'm going to start with sleep because um, I use a couple of different applications all day, every day at work. Um, but when um, I, my computer goes to sleep at the end of the day, I want those to be closed um, just because I found... Um, I'm using PHP Storm. It's a JetBrains um, IDE. So it's what I use to actually write code in at work. Yeah. Um, and it's not super important, but it's written in Java. And unfortunately, there's a little bit of a memory leak at the moment where if you leave it running, for example, all week long, then it'll use a really, really large amount of CPU. Um, and also Teams is, and so on do the same sort of thing. So when my computer goes to sleep, um, and you you don't have very long with this macro, so you have to be kind of smart about how you do this um, with the the sleep one. Um, but what I'm doing is is actually just running a subroutine, so I can also call this macro uh, directly. Um, and um, the the sleep uh, will be deferred up to thirty seconds. It just quits a bunch of applications if it's after um, four forty five p.m. Uh, in in the day. So I just check if it's after 4.45 in the afternoon, then it'll quit these applications before it goes to sleep. Um, and it's really simple. And then the wake one, um, I should probably switch it to an unlock um, and just tie it into the first one in the day um, and just say, and I'm going to open up these applications for you in the, in the format that you prefer. Um, because then I've got all of the great things uh, available to me. But the sleep one is really good. Um, and I have been using the wake one again. I should probably change this to unlock for when I'm in the office. So we have a, an office at my job, which we go to every once in a while. It's 
just a meeting room that we book. But of course, I want things to be set up slightly differently if I'm in the office. And I can tell this based on a number of different factors, such as the Wi-Fi that my device is connected to, whether or not the, there is an external display plugged in and so on. Um, and so it it makes sure that it opens um, slightly different applications and it uses a different window layout for me, which is really nice. And I think you could probably repurpose that, David, for your machine because you're a one machine person now um, with your your fancy setup uh, at your desk and then your your recording studio, which moves around depending on what's available. Yeah, it sounds to me like you set up several automations that are like setups based on time. And yes, that, yeah, that and so using sleep and unlock is a great way to occasionally, you know, just check in. It's just like my my first meditation teacher said, hey, whenever the phone rings, ask yourself if you're being mindful. Well, you're kind of doing the same thing. Like whenever your computer goes to sleep or wakes up, it's just like an opportune time to say, well, what time of day is it and what's on the screen right now and what should be on the screen? And yeah, you could also do that with a script that just, you know, every 15 minutes ran a check. As well, mm. there's lots of ways to do it, but I, I like the way you're doing it because it feels like it's not too heavy, you know. It's, yeah. It, and using subroutines, you can just plug these subroutines into these various time check opportunities. Yes. Yes. Exactly. And that's that's the great thing because then if I end up doing something at a different time or uh, similar, then it's really easy to just pull that bit out and run it separately because. Uh, I don't know about you, David, but I personally find um, the the menu bar um, option for or the status menu trigger option for Keyboard Maestro is a really great way to run a whole bunch of different um, macros because it's right there in my menu bar. It doesn't take up a lot of space, but I can click on it and see, you know, all of the different options that I have available and this combined with folders, which are disabled on certain machines or only enabled on certain machines, um, makes it very easy for me to just have the right ones available to me. Yeah, that that does help. And to be honest, for the setup type of stuff you're doing, I just use buttons on the Stream Deck. I just manually push them. Mm -hmm. But I do like the idea of the computer doing time checks and setting it up for me. The problem yeah. is my time isn't consistent enough. Like I don't have a stand-up meeting at 10 o'clock every day. So, no. so no. the time. But you clock, could read from the calendar for that. Yeah, that I was about to say, I think maybe going to the calendar would be a nice way to do it. Cause I block schedules so much that it would be interesting. Like if I said, okay, I'm going to edit, you know, podcast ads at 10 o'clock and it sees that and the calendar that it suddenly sets up my finder and my audio editing tools and everything to kind of do that for me. I'll have to play yes. with that some, but, but I've been doing that largely with a set of buttons on stream deck, uh, to the, to so far. Yeah. Um, mm. some more triggers that they've added is they've added one for appearance changed. And, uh, that's kind of nutty, right? But whenever your mm. Mac changes its system appearance, that can be a trigger. So yeah, like going into dark mode and suddenly other things start to happen on your Mac. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. And, and that is pretty useful to have because as well, um, in version nine, uh, they added the ability to set the system to dark mode and also set keyboard maestro specifically to dark mode, which is quite nice. Um, and so I, I have definitely used this before, um, because most of the time, I'm perfectly fine with my computer auto switching um, to light or dark mode. But sometimes I need to just 
toggle it manually as part of something else because I definitely wanted to be in light mode for this or dark mode for that. And I really like being able to just sneak that one in there. Yeah. Um, the, the trigger I think that I'm most excited about, although I haven't used it as much as I thought I would, is the long press trigger. So mm. now you can have it where if you long press a trigger, because you know there, there's different ways to use a keyboard shortcut trigger, but it's never recognized a long press as a separate trigger, but now it does. So if you've got like, you know, I don't know, control option, command Q, and historically it would put your system to sleep, but if you long press it, it could do something different, right? And that is, uh, that's cool. I love that addition. Yes, yes. It is very useful um, to have things like that because there are a limited number of buttons on most people's keyboards. Um, and even if you have a keyboard with a number pad and extended keyboard, you, you still don't have that many buttons. So being able to add all of the modifier keys as well as long press um, and so on um, come comes in very handy just because if I, um, if I long press on something and I'm doing it deliberately and I usually try to pick... Um, I don't know about you, David. I usually try to pick buttons on opposite sides of my keyboard for this. Yeah. Um, because otherwise, it's really easy to accidentally drop a notebook or something down on your desk and have it depress a key on yeah. your keyboard. And so if it's just pressing like the control key and then keyboard maestro magic starts happening, that's not necessarily what um, was intended. Um, but the um, the ability to do this, so I, I, I do do like diagonal opposites on my keyboard usually that's that's my combination for that um and that that makes it quite easy well um and just kind of related since we have invoked the name stream deck is <laughs> people are writing us about the stream deck pedal oh yeah i've ordered one david i've ordered one it should be coming in about a week or so um as this episode releases fingers crossed um but it's not here yet yeah i was busy when that dropped and it's out of stock so i I'll, you'll have mm. to be the first one to tell us about it well i can give you a tip for it if you like which is a uh, camel 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 so i camel camel cameled it yeah. um and i put in a price that i knew was over the the price that was uh that it was being retailed at and then um camel 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 said hey uh this is dropped in price to the recommended retail price um and that's the point when I, I went and bought it and it said it would come at the end of February. And then I had an email from Amazon uh, just yesterday, actually, to say that it should be coming earlier. Oh, good. Well, you're ahead of me. <laughs> yep. Well, I'm going to be seeing what Keyboard Maestro can do with this because, of course, um, there's there's plenty of uh, different things that we can do with Keyboard Maestro, but it can be triggered uh, by specific key presses on devices. Um, and the other thing, which I think we should probably talk about a little bit, is um, folders in Keyboard Maestro. Because for people who haven't really played with Keyboard Maestro before, um, they have groups, um, which look like folders. So I usually call them folders, but they are called groups. Um, and these are very powerful, not just for organizing your macros. Of course, they're great for that. But also because I can have, um, uh, and I have um, a, a, a section or a, a group of folders uh, or a group of groups called group colon, and then it's got device in there. And so it'll have like iMac or MacBook Pro or Work Mac. Yeah. And these are then um, disabled on all of my other devices. Um, and they, they are only enabled on that device. But because I sync all of my macros across all of my devices, this means that I can easily change something that would happen on another machine from any other machine if I want or need to. 
Um, and I also have uh, a Mac Mini just sitting here running magic for me. And of course, it has its own folder, um, which means that I can really easily sync a macro over there and just have it do a whole bunch of stuff for me. Um, and it it does. That's it. Yeah. Another way to use those groups is app-specific groups. So like, yes. um, for instance, Obsidian is one I've been doing a lot of keyboard maestro work in lately, and I have a group. And I preface all app ones. It's an APP colon and then the name of the yeah. app. And then um, you can click when you select when you select that group. And this is not part of the new update. This has been there for a long time. But when you select mm. that group, then you can select that this is only available in certain applications. So the Obsidian group um, macros are only available in the Obsidian application. And what that does is it allows me to use very simple keyboard shortcuts that would normally, you don't want to use up, you know, like control L to me gets a copy of the obsidian URL when I'm in obsidian, because it's only going to work. That control L is only going to work to, you know, to run that command when I'm in obsidian, when I go over to OmniFocus or, you know, Fantastical or whatever, or Apple mail, it's going to use it control L maybe do something entirely different. And it in effect allows you to make app specific um, shortcut or triggers that, you know, once again, kind of help solve the problem of not enough keys, too many triggers. Exactly. And I, I use this um, as well. So OmniFocus is uh, great. And I actually have um, two macro groups for OmniFocus. One's called OmniFocus and one's called not OmniFocus because um, I don't know about you, David, um, but if I try and hit, um, what is it, option control space um, to add something to yeah. uh, to OmniFocus and OmniFocus isn't running, um, it nothing happens. And uh, I know Katie talked yeah. about this on my Power Users ages ago. Sean Blanc had a great script called Oopsie Focus. I have just created a single group in Keyboard Maestro called Not OmniFocus. And it uses the, the same hotkey that happens when OmniFocus is running uh, or the OmniFocus uses. And what happens is it activates OmniFocus, waits, uh, gives gives it a, a second or two, then it activates the previous application, and then it types the, the keystroke for me, which means that I end up yeah. exactly where I was with OmniFocus running, except it, it works. But when OmniFocus is running, one of the things I end up doing is as I'm processing my inbox, I find a lot of things I want to convert to projects. And the 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 uh, command for um, command, and then it's the left square bracket, outdense things usually. And I keep trying to outdent stuff in the inbox. And there are various ways to 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 fix this problem. But what I've just done is um, I I've said, hey, if if I if I press this command um, and a menu with um, a menu item with the name outdent exists but is not enabled. Uh, use edit convert project instead. Otherwise, use organize outdent. Um, so yeah, that 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 fixed that problem for me very quickly because now I can just outdent things in my inbox and they get converted to be a project. Yeah, another use for these app specific groups is to create individual conflict palettes inside the app. Mm. Like I have a bunch of scripts over it in Apple Mail. They're Apple scripts to move a message to a specific mailbox and do other things with with messages but one of them is is move like i like to move messages like maybe i want to move it to the same box black hole or to the priority folder or whatever 
And I've just done a uh, conflict palette for uh, Max Sparky stuff. I hit con- control M. And this is a feature that used to be in some of the third-party mail plugins where you could do this, but I just wrote them as Apple scripts and embedded them in Keyboard Maestro. So I don't have to worry about, you know, losing the plugin support. And but I've got a bunch of those, and they do have specific keyboard shortcuts. Like I can hit control one for a certain folder, control two, whatever. But if I just hit control M, it's a conflict palette for all of them. And it shows mm-hmm. me the whole list. And then I can just type for black hole. If I type BL, it goes to the black hole. And um, that I find very fast. And that way, if I'm using my laptop and I don't have a stream deck attached, um, I don't have to rely on the stream deck button palette. I can just hit you know control M. And as long as I'm in the mail app, that conflict palette gets triggered. So uh, there's a whole lot of clever ways to use those groupings, uh, those app-specific groups to to make using your app a lot easier. You can, you can, in essence, create any sort of in-app automation you want with a very simple keyboard trigger because it's only going to work in that app. Yes, and that is really great. There's also um, an action, which I feel we should mention, um, which is called show palette of macros where, um, so you, you were using specifically the conflict palette, which is where you assign the same keyboard shortcut to multiple actions. Um, and then, you know, when you hit that trigger, everything, um, comes up, uh, that's got that action. Uh, but another way to do this is, um, to, use the show palette of macros option. And then you can either use a smart group or you can use a regular group um, to show a specific group of macros. And that is very handy because I have um, a a group um, called, it's actually a smart group um, called um, work stream deck. Um, And the, the idea is it is essentially a keyboard maestro palette of my work stream deck actions. um, And this, means that I can then just, you know, hit that keyboard shortcut and all of them pop up, but I don't necessarily have to use the macro palette for it, which is really not, uh, uh, the conflict palette for it. I can just have an application palette and then it can also hang around on my screen yeah. um, because it is a, a regular palette, whereas a conflict palette will go away. Um, but it's useful to be able to do both. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, exactly. So the conflict palette, the advantages of it are that it auto-generates and that it auto-alphabetizes. So, it creates the the secondary trigger shortcut based on whatever's on the list at the time, but it vanishes as soon as it, it executes. So you don't get to keep it on the screen. So the way Rose is doing it actually keeps it like, in essence, a stream deck panel on her screen. Yeah, yeah. It, or it, it, it can do. I don't have it hang around for most of them, but it is very nice to be able to pop up um, a palette of macros at various times. And they are alphabetized, I should mention. Um, at the very least, the, the one I'm looking at, which is the automators one right now, uh, is alphabetized for me. So yeah. it's got all those options. Yeah, long press, I guess we kind of went down a, a rabbit hole there, but man, long press <laughs> is, a, is a cool trigger. And uh, the you know we only have so many keys on our keyboards and whether using it with an app specific group or long press, uh, you can absolutely you know find a way to get all your automations onto your keyboard. That is really great, but of course there's a lot more ways to trigger Keyboard Maestro, which we should dive into. This episode of the Automators is brought to you by Text Expander. Go to textexpander.com/podcast. 
and get 20% off your first year. With Text Expander, you can keep everything consistent and accurate. In our fast-paced world, things change constantly and errors in messaging can have significant consequences. Text Expander lets you make approved messaging available to every team member instantly with just a few keystrokes so your team stays consistent, current, and accurate. With Text Expander, you can get your message right every time. Expand content that corrects your spelling and keeps your language consistent with just a few keystrokes so your team members always know the right message for the right person at the right time without relying on memory or copy and paste. I'm a Text Expander for Teams subscriber. I pay every year. I've got a few people helping me out with customer support, and we find this an incredibly useful tool. But I've heard from listeners that have companies with thousands of people and are also using it. Whether you're a big company or a little company, Text Expander can help you with your messaging and getting consistent customer support out the door. And that's just for the businessy side of it. I'm also an automator and I love Text Expander because it gives me so many automation tools and ways to solve little problems very quickly. When I get the reports from Text Expander telling me how many hours and days it's saved, it's just shocking to me. But I use the app all the time and I love it. As a listener of automators, you can get 20% off your first year. Just visit TextExpander.com slash podcast to learn more about TextExpander and let them know you heard about it here on the Automators Podcast. Once again, that's TextExpander.com slash podcast for that 20% off your first year. And our thanks to TextExpander for their support of the Automators and all of FM. So, David, I thought it would be quite fun if we shared with some of the listeners some of the other triggers that we're using and then what actually happens when we when we use those triggers. Because I know that you mentioned before, like you're using Control-L and Obsidian to, to make certain things happen. Um, and I'm using uh, Command-C. When I'm in one particular Airtable, there's something that when I copy it, I, I want it actually to end up being reformatted. Yeah. Um, and so I have um, a macro that only runs um, when... Um, so this is actually in a group where it requires me to be using Safari and very specifically requires me to have a window title that's got the window title of this Airtable. Um, and then when I hit Command-C, then it reformats the text on my keyboard. Um, and that's all it does. And that that is very useful. And I know that you probably have lots of other triggers as well. Yeah, I mean, it depends on on what you're doing. Like there are a lot of good hardware related triggers like plugging in a USB device. In the Keyboard Maestro Field Guide, I broke down one I had where when I plug in a scanner, it sets up the computer for scanning because you can mm-hmm. have it do that. Uh, a lot of people also do that when they like plug in an external drive that they set up for doing things. Or if you plug in an SD card that's got you know your camera name on it, that it opens up uh, photo processing tools for you, and that's really nice. You know the the idea of something external has just plugged into your computer, and then then have something happen. Um, another kind of grouping is Wi-Fi, you know, and this is an existing Mm. trigger that's been there for a long time. But if you connect your computer to a specific Wi-Fi and a lot of people, this is work, but it could also just be like Starbucks or whatever. Usually that means you want to do a specific kind of work Mm -hmm. and having it go ahead and set that up for you uh, automatically based on your Wi-Fi signal is really handy. Yes. Yeah. Another one of course is power status. 
Um, and um, this, I wouldn't necessarily recommend using this um, for people who are running their, their Mac on a UPS. I would use the Mac's built-in stuff to automatically shut your Mac down rather than uh, farming out to Keyboard Maestro for this, just in case, because, you know, Mac OS can do that. But this is great for a laptop where, um, you know, you could be taking it around the house and when you unplug it, you're probably going to want your windows and everything rearranged automatically for you because yeah. you're going to go sit on the, on the sofa where it's nice and comfy instead of sitting at your desk. Or when you plug it back in, you want it to go, oh, wait, yeah, I'll just take everything that you're doing and put this in the places that you usually have it. Um, and, and that is great. I'm combining that with Moom because Moom's kind of a subroutine. Um, and I, I have um, Moom rearrange certain windows for me, but I do that through Keyboard Maestro a lot of the time um, because I just chain all of the automations together. Yeah, I am... Um... I'll tell you the truth, though. My go-to, you know, trigger, like 90% or more of the time is just keyboard shortcuts because they're just so handy. And you can mm. use them. You can trigger them with other automations. You can um, – and then, of course, the Stream Deck is a huge kind of keyboard maestro launching device for me as well. I was just looking. Do they do they only make the standard uh, Stream Deck now? That they used to have three sizes, but just looking on Amazon real quickly, I don't even see that they have the big one for sale anymore. I did see them the other day when I was uh, having a look, um, and I was yeah. just having a look on their website, and they do seem to be focusing on their Stream Deck Mark II, which is uh, the medium size one or standard, yeah. um, as it was before. Um, but uh, I wonder if they do still have the others. I'm, their 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 web shop is not necessarily showing me everything, but the medium size one is a pretty decent device, I have to say. Yeah, but I'm using all the buttons on that big one, and I love it. And I, I mean, with the and this is not a Stream Deck show, but you know, it can also pop up different sets of buttons depending on what app you're in, and then you connect those with KM Link, which is the you know the third party mm. plugin to run a keyboard maestro script from your um, stream deck and suddenly like everything goes so fast with buttons and uh and and also i am a massive user of conflict palettes as as everybody already knows yeah yes uh for me um it's much the same i am using the keyboard maestro integration with uh the stream deck in some places because what it can do is it can change um what a button looks like so um, it can set an image, it can set the title, it could show an alert, um, yeah. and so on and so forth. And that that's really nice. Um, and a great example of this is TJ Luoma's Fantastipal, um, which he has, um, and I'll put a link to. He talked about this when he was on the show um, with us. But um, that is great. I have that on every device I connect um, my... Well, I mean, I have it everywhere because I, I just have um, the, the, the Keyboard Maestro Macro running all the time, but it is really handy to have that so that I can glance and go, yep, uh, you know, it's, it's black. I don't need to worry. Or, oh, wow. Okay. That's red. I need to go. I've got a meeting like now. Um, and that is very nice to have as a small indicator of, you know, there's stuff coming up. Be aware of this um, for me, which I, I really enjoy. Yeah. But the, uh, the ability to trigger these things off keyboard shortcut to me is, is really key. Um, my primary the the keyboard maestro shortcut I trigger most often is uh, my uh, my contextual computing triggers and mm. the one that I use by far the most is Control Option Command M, which is the Max Sparky context and anything really I'm doing that 
is related to Max Sparky can be triggered off that. Like um, when I'm screencasting, I have some scripts that I use the center of the screen before I start recording. And in addition to other ways of triggering that, I've added the the option control command M so I can trigger it from there. Pulling up the, the Google folder with the outline for the automator show is also there. Yeah. And because it dynamically sets itself up based in and alphabet alphabetically, if I just hit uh, control option command M and then tap a, then it automatically filters that list down to just the automators ones. So I can mm-hmm. go into the folder where we do show planning, or I can go to the air table. I can go to the Google docs and, and all that stuff just happens automatically. So, uh, that is like a magical way for me not to have to remember a ton of shortcuts and be yes. able to add anything to what I want. Like when I'm working on a field guide right now, I'm working on the shortcuts for Mac field guide. All of the key links are in on that shortcut. But when I finish it, I'll remove them from the contextual list and then they won't mm. show up. And it's just a really, I have found it a super convenient way to trigger lots of automation very quickly. Yes, yes, I agree. And it is really nice because the other thing is, is you can take a keyboard shortcut that you use regularly in one application and you keep trying to do in another application, but nothing happens or the wrong thing happens um, and you can remap it, which, you know, is what I did with the command, with the outdent command in OmniFocus. If I'm in the inbox, then, yeah. you know, it, it, it fixes it for me. Um, and that is very nice to be able to do things like that, as well as, of course, you can not only interfere with things, um, you can also make things happen. Um, so when uh, I, well, actually, um, I realized the other day that I accidentally ha- kept k- hitting Command Q in Safari instead of Command W. Yeah. Um, I was having a couple of weeks where my where I had an off by one error where I was one key too far to the left. Problem with Command Q is it's quit instead of close tab, and I very rarely actually mean to quit Safari with the Command Q. Yeah. Uh, keyboard shortcuts. So I just interfered with it and I popped up a little uh, message to myself, um, an alert that says, hey, do you want to quit Safari? Yes, no. Um, and if I hit yes, then it does actually quit Safari. And if I hit no, um, then it it doesn't quit Safari. So that, that saves me having to reopen Safari, history, restore last open windows. Um, and, you know, it, it's, it's not a, a lot of work, but it's it's enough that it, it made it worth it. Yeah, and an alternative way you could have done that is just made Command Q close a window, or I'm sorry, close the tab. Close the tab. Yeah, no. Sometimes I do mean to hit Command Q though, and then I can just hit Return because um, I've set it up because Escape cancels a macro when you've got um, an input or an alert like that pop up. Um, and if I didn't mean to quit, then I'll just hit Escape. Um, and if I did mean to, then I just hit Return and it closes it. So. That makes it quite simple. What I was going to say is then you could use the long press command Q mm. to quit. So just make command Q close tab and long. Yeah, Chrome has that as a default where yeah. you have to hit command Q and then without letting go of the command, hit Q again. Yeah. And I hate it. Yeah, but it turns too. out that's a preference you can disable yeah. um, in Chrome. Thank God. Um, I, I try to use Chrome as rarely as possible, but work requires me to you know make sure that the stuff that I write actually works in Chrome as well as Firefox and Safari. Um, so, uh, I do have to open Chrome on a semi-regular basis and finding out that I could disable that preference meant I could actually get rid of the keyboard maestro macro that I had to just hit the Q again. Um, but you know, it, it's, it's worth knowing that I could have done it with keyboard maestro. Yeah. Yeah. The, um, 
One of the big fixes, and this is just a small nerdy thing for me, is the way it handles variables with the version mm. 10. Um, yes. Historically, when you added a new variable, because a lot of my uh, keyboard master scripts, and if you watch my field guide on this, you'll see this, is I'll have them where they collect a bunch of data with a user input screen, like, you know, mm. give the name of the document and the name of the person and the name of the whatever. And so you collect multiple variables at the top of the script, and then you start working with those variables with the various actions below it. And historically, you had to run the macro to generate the um, the short the variable names in the pre-populated um, list of variables. Now you could manually yeah. type them in again, but then if you made a typo, that didn't work. So I, I much prefer uh, the system where you can say, "Okay, here's all my variables. Use this one." And yes. now it magically does that. You don't have to run the macro. And it seems like a little change, but it was constantly a hassle for me when I was working on building scripts. Yes. Um, while we're talking about variables, I think variables are actually a really great thing that we should probably talk about because it took me a while to wrap my head around the fact that by default in Keyboard Maestro, all variables are global variables. So you create a variable in one macro yeah. and it's available and whatever it was set to is also available in all of your other macros. Yeah, that can which, get you in trouble. <laughs> that can get you in trouble. But there, there, there are two prefixes that you can put on the front of a variable name, which, uh, will, which change everything. Um, and so the first one is instance, which means this variable is available to this macro and any other macros run by this macro, which means our subroutines or sub macros yeah. um, get all of those variables. And there's also local variables. And local variables um, are restricted to the macro that this is in, but they, they do, or at least I think they do, I'm now doubting myself as I say this, hang around. So if I run the macro again, then it will still have the, the information from last time. Um, and, and that is very handy because it means I, I mostly use instance variables myself because once I'm done with the macro, I don't want those variables to come back. Yeah. Um, but, um, it is really nice to have the ability to have some global variables because I use those, for example, when I switch modes, which is primarily through focus mode, um, to set, um, my current, my current mode, um, as a variable that is available in Keyboard Maestro. Um, however, even though global variables are global, they're global to your computer and they don't sync, uh, which was something that caught me out the other day because I thought that this might be um, something that syncs. Um, but unfortunately, it turned out it wasn't. But that's okay. I, I figured out a, a couple of different solutions to that. Yeah. Some other actions that came in uh, is a lot of support for like icons and graphical stuff. I think that mm. that they realized that you know people are starting to use this more to build kind of more user interfaces, like you can set icons. Prompting user input, by the way, I was mentioning earlier, got a nice update. In addition to pre-populating variables, um, you can add a date, time, and date and time picker fields. So mm. like if you've got a script that involves date math, like I used to do a bunch of those through Keyboard Maestro that I'm now doing those through shortcuts where I pick a date and we talked about this, Jeff Richardson, it, says, well, what's 30 days after that or 45 days before that? Well, now you can put a date picker in there. And they also added a slider field. So you can have, uh, if you have a slider, like you can pick, you know, one to four stars and you can have a slider 
right in the user input. I mean, I feel like the it, overall the user input screens in Keyboard Maestro are friendlier uh, than they mm-hmm. are in Shortcuts because they give you a lot more options. Like I can add a checkbox or a slider or a date picker and kind of really build a very rough user interface that has the types of data I want to collect. Yes. Yes. And of course, if you're getting very nerdy with that, then there's the option to do a custom HTML prompt, um, which I've seen some really great examples of in the Keyboard Maestro forums. Um, And I've used a couple of them, but I've not bothered to sit down and create one myself yet just because there hasn't been the need. And just as I was going, you know, actually, I really could do with the date field, Keyboard Maestro 10 came out. And yeah. so it's like, okay, I'm, I'm good now. Um, but speaking of dates, there was something else that was added, which seems like a very small point um, in, in this um, release, which is if you go to the edit menu, then there is the option to uh, insert an ICU date field. And then you've got all of the different time and date options available to you. So you can insert time zone um, and it gives you examples of what each of these look like as well. Um, and this is really great. And it's been there for a while with the insert token option where you've got dictionaries, which are Keyboard Maestro dictionaries, where you can have multiple keys and values, um, named clipboards, all of your variables. Um, and then there's also calculations and so on. But date is in there as well, where you can just insert date. And that is very handy for um, setting uh, file names and stuff, because there are certain things where I have it grab a bunch of files out of a folder and it moves them and renames them. And part of that just inserts the current date and time into the name as it does it. Yeah. So, but but um, historically that insert date was a pre set of, you know, Peter had picked a few, uh, mm, you know, yeah. different formats or a short medium. I forget what they were all called, but if you, with this ICU, you can absolutely like, you know, get it exactly the way you want. And, Yes. And like for me, I'm very particular about the way dates get put into names. And this allows me to engineer that so I get the exact name or date I want. This was actually a bigger feature for me than I should have mentioned earlier because this is something I immediately adopted. Yes. Um, though I should mention, if you've got the IC, if you use the ICU date time, this is actually the same time and date formatting that Shortcuts uses. Yeah. Um, and so by default, if you selected that and you you said uh, just date time generically, then it would put EEE comma MMM comma D, uh, sorry, space D, yeah. four Ys, HM, which is just uh, a three-letter day, um, a three-letter month. Uh, the number of the day, the year in four digits, hours and minutes, um, hours without a zero prefix and minutes with a zero prefix. Um, but it, you know, it it is possible to just go in there and change those, those parts just the same way that you would do in shortcuts. And of course, the other option that you've got is to be able to calculate the time and say now plus 20 minutes or now minus 15 minutes or whatever, which is, again, great for that date and time math that you were talking about. This episode of Automators is brought to you by DevonThink, the flagship product from Devon Technologies. DevonThink is the most professional document and information management application for the Mac. It's the one place for storing all your documents, snippets, or bookmarks, and working with them. The integrated AIs assist you with filing and searching, while the extensive search language with advanced Boolean search operators means you're never going to not find something. DevonThink features a flexible sync system that supports many cloud services or lets you synchronize over the local network too, with everything securely encrypted. This gives you the choice for however syncing works best for you. 
It has smart rules and flexible reminders that let you automate all parts of your workflow and delegate boring repeating tasks. Let DevonThink automatically organize your data with rules you define. DevonThink's AppleScript dictionary is one of the largest on the Mac. There's no part of DevonThink that can't be automated. Extend DevonThink's functionality with your own commands by adding them to its scripts menu. Even templates can have scripts inside, and you can set up new documents with data from placeholders or insert it by your own AppleScript code. And of course, there's so much more, from an iOS companion app to email archiving, scanning, or even an embedded web server for securely sharing your data with the team. Personally, I'm really loving batch processing and rules. So everything that you can do in a rule, you can do with batch processing, which means that that's great for one-off tasks. And then once I've figured it out, I can turn it into a rule, which is even better because all of my work does double duty. You should use DemoThink if you've got documents and you're going to need to find what's where and you don't necessarily want to have to do all the filing yourself, but you need everything to be available everywhere. And I have to say, being able to find something, whether I archived it and filed it on my Mac or my laptop or my phone, really makes my life much easier. You can get 10% off DemoThink 3 or upgrade to it right now. Just go to devontechnologies.com slash automators. That's devontechnologies.com slash automators for 10% off. Our thanks to Devon Technologies for their support of this show and all of Really FM. All right, so what are some other things you're doing with Keyboard Maestro these days, Rose? Well, I mean, there's there's a lot of things which are kind of similar to other things that um, I've got, which are things like when I um, hit save in uh, PHP Storm, it activates my terminal to give me a second to look at the the information that's being processed and whether or not work is updating. Um, and then it activates Firefox for me to go ahead and refresh. Um, but that only happens when I am not in the office um, because otherwise um, I found that I was getting dragged back and forth between spaces because I use spaces when I'm just using a laptop. Um, but it's been very nice to be able to just go, hi, look at this thing. Okay, that's probably done now. Now you can go over here and do that thing because it's it's a sequence of commands that I do very frequently, but it's is very nice um, to be able to do that. And of course, there's everybody's favorite uh, paste of plain text, uh, which is what happens the vast majority of the time, thanks to Keyboard Maestro interfering with my command V. You know, what I've done recently, and this is a really dumb one, but I think people could appreciate it, is um, on, on iOS, I like the ability to use Memoji stickers when responding mm-hmm. to email and like sometimes people will send me something and I just want to give them a thumbs up, but I want to make it the sparky thumbs up from the Memoji, right? Memoji, Memoji. How do you say that? Memoji. I, I go with Memoji. Because Memoji yeah. sounds like a drink, you know, honestly. Mm. Um, but yeah. the, but anyway, so the Memoji uh, of me with my thumbs up and on the iPhone, iPad, that's super easy. And I wanted to make that easy on the Mac. So in the Apple Mail group, so the app colon mail in that group, I created a set of um, of scripts. And all it does is uh, it hits command R, which is reply. And then mm-hmm. it pastes a special clipboard. And what I did was I went on the iPad, I believe I did on my iPad. And I just looked at the list of memojis and I did screen grabs of of the various ones, the one with my thumbs up, the one with the heart in my eyes, uh-huh. a couple different ones. Okay. And then, so I had all these little image files. I saved them to Keyboard Maestro as, as um, saved clipboards because you in Keyboard right. Maestro, you can have a bunch of clipboards. So I've got all these images 
And I gave them a specific name. It's Memoji dash call me, Memoji dash celebrate or curse. And I, I've got a bunch of the ones that I'd saved. And so now in in um in Keyboard Maestro in Apple Mail, I hit Command R. And then here, let me just go look and make sure I'm not I'm getting this right. I hit Command R. I wait 0.3 seconds because you know wait is always there. Pause. And then I paste the named clipboard. And then mm-hmm. I and you can select, you know, in the paste name clipboard, you can select which one. And I've got this big list of them because I've saved mm-hmm. them all as named clipboards. Yeah. They all start with Memoji. And then I pause another 0.2 seconds and I hit shift command D. So if I hit command R, I pick, I select, and then I select with the conflict palette in essence, you know, TU for thumbs up. Uh, it posts the one of my thumbs up and then it sends it. And then nice. it, it can archive and, you know, save the email off at the same time if you want. And yes. um, I find that really useful. And then, then I like that so much that I said, well, what if I just want to paste the emoji? Like I said, drink again, didn't I? I want to paste the memoji, but mm-hmm. I don't want to just send it off. I want to put that in the middle of a message somewhere. Then I just added a different one that is control E. Mm-hmm. And that just gives me a conflict, you know, paste from palette. It's just, it yeah. cuts out all the other stuff. And I only yeah. use them in mail, but on my Mac, it gives me the ability to use Memojis effectively in mail. And I kind of like that. Well, I have a potential small enhancement to that for you, All David. right, give it to me. Um, because if you send a Memoji to somebody or an Animoji, yeah. then um, open messages on your Mac. You can drag that out and it's a PNG so it doesn't have the background and it's really high res. Oh really? Um yeah. so so that 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 could be a little enhancement for you. Um because it's quite nice to have those because otherwise if people are looking at it in dark mode and it's got a white background or a black yeah. background, it that, looks that a bit odd. That would be good. And the way I had done it, um I don't know if I removed the background, but I resized them all to be relatively small. Because when mm. I first started experimenting with it, it was this massive sparky with his thumbs up and Yes. That was not good. Yeah. But I, I don't know that I necessarily removed the background. So I kind of like them smaller, but yeah. I don't want them to have a white background. You're right. That's not good. Yeah. Um, but I actually have, um, you know, kind of following on from a, a bonus tip that's not Keyword Maestro specific, but it is related to it. I have two pop clip extensions that I use for Keyword Maestro. Okay. Um, because... Um, I, I, when you type in a variable in Keyboard Maestro, if you're not using the insert token yeah. um, option, which does this for you, then you need to type percent variable percent name of variable percent sign. Yeah, and that can be a little bit frustrating at times. Um, and so I created a teeny tiny pop clip macro, which only is available to me in Keyboard Maestro, that just takes whatever is selected. And then puts percent variable percent in front of it and a percent sign at the end. Yeah, generates the uh, the variable, and so code. it turns it into a variable yeah. for yeah. me. And that is really nice uh, to have. And then another one is um, if you copy the UUID of um, a keyboard maestro macro, yeah. um, then you can put this into a URL scheme to run the macro, which means that you can do it from other places. Yeah. Um, and so I have um, a match. For that, um, so it it looks specifically for something that's got a UUID format um, to make this available to me or not available, as the case may be. And then if I if I've got that selected, then it gives me the option to convert it into a Keyboard Maestro uh, URL scheme. 
Um, it just prefixes it with cam trigger um, or whatever it is. I've forgotten now because yeah. I, I I don't have to type it. Um, but it is quite nice to do that. And that has made it a tiny bit easier um, to use Cubo Maestro um, because it was already pretty darn easy. But that's just made things slightly better. Yeah, I did that variable trick once. I, I don't know what I was making a macro at some point and the insert token thing was getting on my nerve. So I made a text expander macro. That mm. just puts in the necessary text with the clipboard contents for the variable name. So I would yeah. just copy the name of the variable somewhere in the document and then hit the text expander snippet. The, a funny thing about it is you can put spaces in the variable names in Keyboard Maestro, yes. which a lot of times, like when I grew up doing programming, the basic stuff I did, uh, you could never do that. But so that always that was still throws me a little bit when you put space in the name of the variable, but it it does it fine and. It's all good. Yes, it is uh, very nice to do that. Um, and I do think that there is one thing that I, I want to give a, a shout out to because this action is so insanely powerful. And I think a lot of people have completely and utterly missed the existence of this action, David, um, because it sounds really boring when you look at it. Uh, it's the filter action. Um, and it it you, you would think, okay, that it's what, it just filters things, but you can change text or calculations or files to all sorts of things and you can actually like change the capitalization of stuff yeah. um and you can also pad numbers html encode html decode get um url schemes of things um trim white space so get rid of unnecessary spaces and returns at the start and the end of something uh wrap it in something or unwrap um and sort lines, reverse the sort, zap control characters, um, etc. It can do so much stuff. It is absolutely ridiculous. And I I love this action so much. I always forget what it's called and I have to go looking for it, but it is really truly a great action to just know that it exists because it really does solve a whole bunch of the problems that I thought I had. Um, but it turns out I don't because I was trying to pad a number and then I realized I was searching uh, the forums and somebody had said, oh, you can just use the filter action for that. And yeah, you can. Um, so my numbers could all be four digits long, which yeah. is great. And you can apply that to the system clipboard. So yes. it actually performs a transformation, not on your screen, but in the clipboard, which yeah. the, the nerd part of me loves that so much that like, I'm fixing things in the clipboard before I even put it on the screen. Mm -hmm. I don't know why that gives me so much joy, Rose, but that that is like one of my favorite things about Keyboard Maestro. So I built a whole bunch of them, and I use um, Option-Shift-T. No, actually, Control-Shift-T. Right. I just had to test it. Again, a conflict palette because that's what I do, apparently. Uh, but, you know, like I can get word count. I can create a markdown link. I can put a red strike through. I can remove formatting. Like there's a whole bunch of stuff I can do and there's other ways to do this stuff, but I've got it all attached to this one keyboard shortcut. And then occasionally I come up with really weird ones. Like I have one called deobsidify, and what that does is it removes all the square brackets. So if I've got some text that I've had obsidian in and it had a bunch of links in it, I can remove all those when I'm pasting it somewhere else with the same with, with a filter applied in the system clipboard, you know, and that's actually using search and replace system clipboard using a string. That's a little bit of a different command than filter, but it works the same way. And I, I put it with the key, same uh, 
shortcut trigger. And uh, man, I love that. Yes, yes, it really is great. And I have to say, it's one of these things where it wasn't until I sat down again um, and had a little bit of time to just look through that I went, uh, actually, there's a whole bunch of other problems that I can also solve with Keyboard Maestro because I, I sat down to look at it. And I'm I'm very glad I did because I, I, I'm always using Keyboard Maestro and I'm never really thinking about it, but it was definitely uh, amazing and eye-opening once again to go, oh, wow, that's an awful lot of things that I could be doing that I'm currently not doing. Or oh, there's an action to open a system preference pane or send a mail message. I hadn't thought about using that. I will, you know, save this uh, for another time. And then it's kind of floating around in my head for the next time that I have a problem that I could solve. Um, And Keyboard Maestro pops into my head. Yeah, I agree. Well, congratulations to Peter for getting out version 10. Uh, Lots of really nice improvements with this app. It continues to evolve. I love it. Um, yep. and, uh, you know, it's, it's something that all automators should be looking into. Um, if you want to learn more, we've got several shows we've dedicated to it. And if you listen to almost any guest show, it comes up at some point, I've got mm-hmm. a keyboard maestro, um, field guide. I mean, there, there's just a lot of ways to learn this app and I strongly recommend you do so. Yeah. Uh, unrelated, we have been getting some email from folks asking more about focus modes. We gave it a whole show a month or two ago, but it is still relatively new. I thought it might be fun to take a few minutes just to check in. Rose, are you still using focus modes and have your workflows changed much since we last talked? Yes, I am using focus modes um, and my workflows have changed a little bit. I've started adding um, a couple of ad hoc focus mode. So I'll create a focus mode for something that I'm doing during uh, for a week or so, and then I'll get rid of it again. Um, and I'm able to do this because I'm not maxing out my focus modes, unlike you. But it's been quite useful for me to be able to do that, um, just so that I can, you know, say, right, this week I'm doing this. And uh, what I've decided is probably I will just keep one focus mode and rename it um, on a regular basis to whatever it is that I am focusing on for the week. Um, but it is very nice um, to do that because then I get rid of excess notifications from all of the other things um, as well. And um, I, I've, I've also been using um, this to trigger keyboard maestro macros because I have uh, my phone just send um, the the, uh, the command over to keyboard maestro to have some stuff happen for certain focus modes, which is very nice. Yeah, I am using them more than ever. I mean, with me shutting down the law practice, it actually made it a lot easier for me to really dial in focus modes. I don't have to worry about letting client calls through anymore. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm using them a lot. I'm in my podcasting focus mode right now as we record this. And um, I honestly, it, it is such a quality of life improvement for me to have these triggered. Um. I uh, I can't imagine not having them. I, I as we talked about on that show, I'd like to see them add some more features. I'd like to see you know, kind of the allow list and do not allow list. I'd like to see more control for the user on both sides of that. Um, I would like to see more focus modes. Mm-hmm. I guess I'm in education because I've used up all of mine, but I can think of a lot of nice ways to slice this onion. And if I just yeah. had some more. And I don't know why it has to be limited, really. I mean, why can't it be a hundred? I mean, what does it matter? Yeah. 
Yes. Um, and I, I do wonder if some of this is because um, there's a limited amount of space, even on a, a Max uh, phone in the control center to show these. Um, mm. But it could scroll like the home the home buttons do scroll if you've got a lot of icons um in in one of the the home rooms that you open yeah. um or they could just you know give you an option to show only some of them in there and just you know toggle on and off um or rearrange them um to to put them into the control center um which is great of course i would love more icons i really want just everything that's an FSF symbol to be available as a focus mode icon. Yeah. I mean, shouldn't um, that just be everywhere? Yeah. I mean, yes, they have SF symbols now. Like when you're choosing a shortcut icon, it should give you the whole set when you're choosing a focus mode. I mean, I, I really don't understand when they do these limited sets. I guess it's, it makes it easier for people who, who don't want to have to swim through all this. Stuff. I mean, they, they can give you a limited suggested set and then just have a tiny more dot, dot, dot button at the bottom, which just pops open a huge picker. But all of the SF symbols have got names. Um, and a great example of an app that's doing this is Cheat Sheet. Um, Cheat Sheet gives you the option to search and they've got uh, aliases for a lot of the icons in there as well. Uh, yeah. So if you you search for a package, um, then... Um, actually, I don't think it was package. I was searching for mail and I got envelope. That was it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the fact that that works and that's available, you know, other developers have done this. Apple does not from my understanding have a limited number of developers um i'm sure they're all very busy but it'd be really great if we had the s of symbols everywhere and maybe even uh take a leaf out of the omnifocus 4 book and give us a option to just choose any color we like because yes uh it's it's slightly limiting to have to think okay which shade of blue is this one going to be or which shade of pink and uh yeah i mean it's fine but it would be lovely to have more I've been lately doing this thing where I, I just got the Apple six colors and mm. I've been using them in a lot of stuff I do lately. And just like, that is like my go-to set of colors for stuff like this. I'm using it for my right. calendars. I, if you look at the maxbarky.com webpage, the six colors show up in different ways, you know, like on the, mm-hmm. the, the laps page I'm using them and it just makes it kind of easy. They, they, they're not very, you know, they're not, they're friendly to each other, but they're not close to each other. It's not like different shades of blue. They are very different yeah. colors, but it's kind of fun to have them. But yeah, I would like to do that. And um, when I hear from people about the focus mode, it seems like it's one or the other. They're like, I don't, I just don't get it. I don't understand why this exists or I love it so much. There's nobody that seems to be in the middle. And I am very much still in love with them. And uh, yes. I, I really like the, the ability because do not disturb is just so extreme and mm. it makes it hard to work because sometimes you do need to talk to people that you work yes. with. So you punch a little hole for that person, but otherwise you're left alone. And that is exactly what we've wanted. Yeah. yeah I'm a big fan. I hope that uh, Apple continues to develop on it. I hope a lot of people are using it. I think that a lot of times whether Apple gives something more attention depends on how much it gets adopted. Um, Mm -hmm. so, you know, and they know that already how many people are using it. So hopefully that means that we'll get more of it, but man, I, I am not like souring on this or, or like, it's not like falling by the wayside. Like some features sometimes do for me. No, it's been very useful for me as well, though. I do. There is one little change that I would really love to see. Yeah. And that is the allowed applications. Having Hazel show up on my iPhone very briefly made me extremely excited and then I was incredibly disappointed. 
Yeah. Um, it would be really nice to have them group um, the apps that are allowed through by on this device and then on other devices. Just yeah. it doesn't even have to go beyond that. Though I would love it if they could show me, you know, that are on this device, on that device, and so on. If you know applications are in multiple devices, just show them every time. Um, but it would be, you know, I I would really like to have that ability because if I'm trying to figure out. You know, like what, which of these was it that I was trying to crank down? Cause it feels like my phone is still buzzing a bit too much. If I could just see the applications that are buzzing, like are able to buzz my phone in this focus mode, that would, that would really simplify things because it is right now kind of messy going through looking at the large number of, uh, other, um, of, of all the apps that can, can come through. Um, and I, I really do wish I could have, um, no caller ID enables because I nearly missed a phone call from my doctors the other day and remembered by a grand total of two minutes before the time uh, and disabled my focus mode. And then about half a second after I disabled it, it felt like my phone rang. So, um, yeah, that that would have not been a, a good miss if I'd missed that. Um, but yeah, fortunately, I didn't. That is probably my biggest um, problem with it right now mm. is that occasionally I do have a call come in that I never see that I needed to be able to see. And the, um, and that, that would be a solvable problem. I, I would hope that that gets fixed next year, but, but yeah, cause like if you're really digging in on focus mode and you do have like a doctor call or, uh, I had to get uh, some tires replaced on a car, you know, and like yeah. the guy was calling and it wasn't coming through because, you know, focus yeah. mode. And, um, it would be nice to, uh, to be able to address that a little easier. Yeah. Yeah. It would be great if you could have um, like uh, the ability to mark a contact as important for the next, like just like you can enable a focus mode yeah. um, for an hour until the end of an event, um, until the end of the day, until I leave this location. It'd be great if you could mark a contact as important for that period of time. Um, but I really need to figure out something with this no caller ID problem that I've got at work. Uh, or with my doctor, um, because they they call out with no caller ID, um, yeah. and unless you are not in a focus mode, I've tried enabling all calls from the phone app, and it still doesn't work. Yeah. Um. So I I need to figure something out for that because this is driving me up the wall. Yeah. And that's like my doctors are the same way. They they the number they call from is like it's like a burner number. They're they're just terrified that you'll call them back. I guess. Well, the thing is, is like, I, I understand how phone systems work. I used to be a phone system admin in my right. old job, um, among all the other things I did. They could set their outgoing caller ID to be the ID of the, the number of reception. Yeah. So that then it would show up as recept, like it would show up as the doctor's surgery generically. Like this is not an unsolvable problem. Um, but unfortunately, the solution that most practices have gone with, at least in the healthcare sector, seems to be we're just not going to tell you who we are and you're just going to have to answer the phone. Um, to everyone until, you know, you aren't expecting a call from us anymore, which is ah, annoying. So focus mode, we're still fans. Yeah, we are indeed. This episode of The Automators is brought to you by Hover. Make a name for yourself and get 10% off any domain name. Just go to hover.com slash automators. When you have a big idea or even a little one, where do you go? Well, your business starts with a domain name. So for many entrepreneurs, Hover is that big leap. Hover has over 300 domain name extensions to choose from. So no matter what you want to build, there's a domain name waiting for it. And they have excellent technical support to answer any questions you may have. 
and they're dedicated to getting you online, not upselling you. Hover has a free who is privacy, so the bad guys don't get your information, a clean user interface, monthly sales on popular top-level domains, and it's easy to see why Hover is the popular choice for people starting businesses. I own all of my domains through Hover, maxsparky.com on down. Just recently, I had a harebrained idea about getting more people to dress up when they visit Batu at Star Wars. So I bought a domain because I'm going to try and do something with it. And the first step for me was locking in the domain. I did it at Hover. It just took a few minutes. And now I've added it to my stable. But it's not just for hobby ideas. It's also for your business. MaxSparky.com was at Hover. When I had my law practice, I the first thing I did was secure a domain at Hover for that business. Everyone likes an intuitive user experience and things that just work straight out of the box. So I know you'll appreciate Hover. Their user interface is really simple, clean, and easy to navigate. It doesn't feel like they're trying to trap you into spending money you don't need to. So to buy your domain and start using it today, go to hover.com slash automators and get that 10% discount on all new purchases. That URL, one more time, is hover.com slash automators, A-U-T-O-M-A-T-O-R-S. Make a name for yourself with Hover. And our thanks to Hover for their support of the automators and all of Relay FM. So, Rose, what are some automation problems you've been struggling with or, or conquering lately? Well, I've had a, a number of different challenges um, that I've been solving recently, uh, including um, last month uh, I had my accountant say, uh, we're missing certain documents for your tax return. Where uh, Can we have copies of these things again? Um, and of course, when I organized everything originally, I just kind of dumped it all in a folder and left it. And th- it was fine. It just wasn't particularly well named because they wanted things on paper, blah, blah, blah. Um, and so I, I had a bit of a mess that I needed to clean up with that and sort it out so I could find specifically the things that they needed. Um, and then, you know, send them over. Unfortunately, they were willing to accept them via email the second time around. Um, and, um, so I, I had a lot of cleaning up to do on that folder. Um, and so of course my first port of call was Hazel because Hazel can do all sorts of things and particularly the contents contain match and then being able to do the, the named, uh, variables for custom text and custom date, and then use those to rename files came in very, very, very handy. Sure. Um, because I was able to just pull things out. Um, and then um, I realized that, you know, part of the reason why I have the folder full of, of of files is because I hadn't been necessarily automatically collecting everything as the year went on. Um, and so I have set up uh, several automations now, um, which automatically grab different pieces of data from different places and pull them into DevonThink. And DevonThink has rules that run that automatically categorize stuff now. And I am very impressed with this because it is so easy to do. And I've gone and completely restructured my DevonThink database because of this. Because, of course, with all the custom rules and batch processing and things that you can do in there, um, it's kind of crazy how nerdy you can get. But I've been playing with custom metadata on that too to allow me to like pull out the amount spent um, from from documents so that I can see that in in a column whilst I'm looking at all the documents. And that's been pretty nerdy and great. Yeah. I mean, Devin think it really kind of has a version of Hazel inside of it. Um, yes. With the rules. And when I was making the Devin think field guide, I was talking to those guys and there's a few people on the inside of Devin think that are like 
super automators. And so yeah. they built all that to scratch their own itch and you know they're using it every day. So it's, it's it works really well. Mm. And you can build a, an entire automation system inside Dev and Think. Yes. I guess yeah, we need really to talk about that at some point. I guess we should probably go into that. Yeah. Yeah, we should. Because there, there's a, so much automation that you can do with it. I've got it pulling stuff out of Apple Mail and converting it to PDFs, all sorts of things. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there, there's definitely plenty that we can talk about there. But in the meantime, you'll be pleased to hear I got everything to my uh, uh, accountants in record time. They were expecting it to take me two weeks. And I got it back to them in two days because yeah. I just had everything. Like, I just created a rule. Um, and I, I did... a vast majority of the the initial processing in hazel just because it was what i was more familiar with at the time um and so i just created a rule and had it tidy up all things that belong to that rule and move it to another folder as part of it so i could just see the the number getting smaller and smaller and smaller every time um of files i needed to process and then create another rule for the next thing go um and so on and so forth and it it did a great job i was very impressed yeah agreed i so with my uh the changes in my life i've I have all these new ideas, right? It's like suddenly yeah. I, I get to scratch itches that I never had time to scratch before. And mm-hmm. so in order to capture all that, I've been calling them kind of content ideas for lack of a better term. But mm-hmm. uh, I have an idea about something, but I'm not sure if it's going to be a YouTube video or a podcast or a blog post or a Max Markey Labs thing. And so I don't want to have to filter that at the time I come up with the idea. I just want to capture the idea. Right. And and I realized as I started thinking about it more, there's a couple things I want to do. I want to capture the idea. I want to capture a tag on the idea, whether it's active or planning, because some of these yep. ideas are things I want to act on right away, but most of them are not, you know, because I, you know, I'm I have a lot of ideas right now. There's a lot of yeah. these these things coming in. And then I also want the ability to capture the clipboard when I write it down because a lot of times it'll be like, oh, here's a cool web service that I may want to do something with and I'll get a link to the web service or here's a sentence out of an email. Somebody asked me a question that I want to follow up and answer in more detail. So I've got like yeah. some sort of clipboard thing I want to I want to add to it. So I started breaking it down and I had two ways, two places I need to solve the problem on the iPhone primarily the iPhone and the Mac, you know? And right. so when I did it on the Mac, I decided to to tackle it in keyboard maestro. Mm-hmm. So I made a, um, it's a context, it's in the Mac Sparky context. And I actually put an X at the beginning of it because I have a bunch of them that start with C and I didn't want to have to type two letters. So if I hit, you know, control option, command M and then X, it opens up an input dialog that says, you know, what's the content idea? And I type that in uh, and it's, and then it says, is it planning or active? And that's a multi-select as a keyboard maestro variable. And to do those, you just type the first option and then the pipe key. I always call it the pipe. I don't know what it, the fancy. Yeah, the vertical line. Yeah. Um, yeah. For over me, it's the, next to the, the return key. Over the I, Yeah, exactly. So yeah. I, I put planning pipe key active. And if I put active pipe key planning, then it would select active by default, but I want it to select planning by default because most of them are planning. But in the occasion that it's something I want to act on immediately, I can go in and mouse it and click it to active. And then there's a checkbox, which is a zero pipe one in, in uh, keyboard maestro. 
Right. So then I have a checkbox. If I put zero pipe one, it's an unchecked checkbox. But if I put one pipe zero, it's a checked checkbox. So you, the defaults in Keyboard Maestro are just basically which one you put first. And yes. so now the dialogue says, what's the idea? Is it active or planning? And do you have clipboard contents? And if I you know, select the right boxes and I hit OK, it has then it uses the if command, doesn't use a switch because it's just one option. And it has two different sets of text it creates, you know, one with the clipboard mm-hmm. attached and one without. And then, you know, then it sets the tag based on whatever I selected. And it creates this text that then it saves as a markdown file and saves to my Obsidian folder where I have content ideas. So it's not a super complicated script. And I shared this in the Max Berkey Labs, if people labs have already seen this, but you know, the idea is I hit this, so option command, control M, X, and then I type in the content ID and hit return, and then I've saved it for future consideration. And it came out good. You know, it wasn't, like I said, a super complicated automation problem, but it did need automation because I didn't want to have to stop and, like, put all that together every time I did it. Yeah. In the text file, I have YAML data, which is kind of going deep catalog here in Obsidian. But so there's additional tags and ways I can filter in Obsidian uh, based on that stuff that's automatically added. So I solved the problem on the Mac first because that's where I I spend most of my time working. But then I wanted to solve it on the iPhone. Right. So shortcuts? Shortcuts. Drafts? Uh, No, I I, I could have done it with drafts, but I want to do it with shortcuts because there were some options. Like, once again, is there a clipboard? Um, Is there an active tag? And I could have done that in drafts too, but um, on my iPhone, I have a similar contextual icon, like I have the contextual button on my Mac, and it's a shortcut, choose from menu shortcut. So I knew I could just add this right to the top of that list and there's a little lightning bolt in my dock on my phone. So I tap that and the very top button is new content idea. And it does the same thing. It'll grab the clipboard. It'll allow me to tell it if it is uh, planning or active and it creates it. And um, the uh, and it saves it locally to the Obsidian um, folder. In fact, I checked that over with you when I was doing it. Uh, yep. Rose is my, my official shortcut proofreader, I guess you'd say. <laughs> But, you know, you can do that. It's funny because with shortcuts, when you go to save a file, it really wants to put it in the short box sandbox, right? Yeah. And they don't make it obvious, but you hit the replace button and then you can put it locally on your drive and you have to approve it the first time you run it. But because I use Obsidian with the Obsidian sync engine, I'm saving the Obsidian files locally on my phone. Um, It does effectively the same thing via shortcuts. Yeah, it it is great that we can do that. And it is not very intuitive that you can change that folder um, to anything else um, because you tap on it and you have to then go back up a level or a couple of levels when it opens the picker. Um, And it's not immediately obvious that you can do that, especially because for years we could not. Um, So I'm I'm glad that we can do that now. And I have to say, I've been using um, that that as well um, a little bit because I kind of stole your shortcut when you shared it with me sure. uh, a little bit, David. Um, and um, I've been using it and I'm enjoying it. It's it's useful. And I've got it putting things into various different places, uh, mostly drafts d- with different tags. But it's it's great to do that. I think someday we'll do an automator show on on Obsidian because like there's some really excellent plugins in Obsidian. One of them is called data view. And mm-hmm. 
with data view, you can say, give me a list of all notes that are tagged with content, the max sparky and active, you know, and then right. that active list that, you know, when I tag them active, I can get a list of the five that are now active for me. And then I can click that and go straight to the idea. And then what uh, the workflow right now for me, and I don't know if I'm going to automate this further is then I decide, is this a YouTube? Is this a whatever? And then yeah. I can reapply the template and even change and move the file if I need to. So, but, but for the beginning step, I really don't, I, I found myself, if I tried to think through something like, oh, this is a cool website, I might want to do something with this. But if I try to figure out what I'm going to do with it, that is like a whole thing. And mm-hmm. quite often I'll say, well, this is a blog post, but then I'll get into it and really like it and say, oh no, this is a whole podcast episode. But, you know, so I'm trying to avoid making that decision about what I do with it until I actually spend time with it. Right. Yes. Yeah. That is that is something that I think is quite important with ideas to be able to just grab them in a way that you can then do whatever you like with them. Judgment free. So you're not yeah. So you're not pigeonholed by things. Yeah. How about you? I've I've been playing with a lot of things uh recently. Um I've been creating some pop clip extensions using the extension snippets feature that was introduced relatively recently um and it's great because you can just select an extension snippet and then popclip will suggest adding it to your popclip library so you don't have to download and install files anymore you just select it and install it and it means that you can also see how an extension is written so modify it yourself so i've been stealing all of the things with that and modifying them and it's it's great i'm really enjoying that um and yeah it's, it's been very useful to be able to do that. And I've also been uh, playing a little bit more with drafts, um, getting it to do more things uh, entirely on its own without being fed data from shortcuts first, which means I can run the macro uh, very easily wherever I want, however I want, because it's just drafts independent of any other uh, requirements. So I've been pulling some more data in there, which has been quite nerdy, um, but good fun. Yeah, it, there's just there are good options now. You know, earlier I said, you know, where's Keyboard Maestro on the iPhone? Maybe you can make the argument that it's drafts. I don't know. Yeah, maybe, at maybe least, at least if it's text related. Yeah, it's keyboard. Uh, so Keyboard Maestro is great, and drafts is exceptionally good for um, automating anything to do with text and even some things which aren't a hundred percent text related. I've actually got it creating some files for me um, in. The drafts folder, which then Hazel picks up and moves elsewhere, um, and uh, that that has been pretty useful uh, to make sure that that actually does things. I think maybe there's a future show for us as well with some of these smaller tools that we're using. Mm. Like PopClip is a great example. We mentioned it on the show, but we never really go into it in depth. But it is an automation tool. Maybe we should like pick two or three of those and give a, a show where we break down two or three of those. Like I think better touch tools, another good example where you can do some really great automation stuff. I'm not sure if it's uh, worthy of a full show or not, but the, um, uh, we'll look into that. Let us know if there's some little automation tools out there you want and we'll, we'll do a future show on that. But, um, yeah, automation, it's still fun. Oh yeah. So much fun. And I have to say there are more things to automate than ever before. And I really enjoy the fact that that's the case. All right. Well, we are the automators. You can find us over at relay.fm slash automators. You can find our forums at talk.automators.fm. You can find the website at automators.fm. We have sponsors and we are very thankful for them. Electric, Text Expander, Devon Think, and Hover. 
and we will see you next time. Goodbye, everyone.